0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of Money Tips. Today I want to talk about what makes us happy. Now in the final part of my book, Yes Money Can Buy You Happiness, I, I talk about this. I talk about things that, you know, making it's not just about money by the way, I mean it, it is about money and happiness and I talk about, for instance, the importance of giving and how that can enrich us and I actually quote people like uh, Tony Robbins here on, on that page there, you can see who says that there can be no greater gift than in your life to have meaning beyond yourself. Nothing enriches us as much as helping others. Well, that wasn't a very good Tony Robbins voice, but at least i give it a try. Now, this week I was at a fundraising event at the beautiful Carlton Club in, in London, right by St. James's Palace, just round the corner from the Ritz off Piccadilly. And tickets for dinner were quite expensive, £100, but it was well worth it. You know, the food was great, great wines, met some very interesting people. And it was great. You know, after that, you feel good, don't you? You feel on a high. And although attending these sort of fancy events can bring you short-term happiness, otherwise probably known as hedonism, the Greek word meaning the pursuit of pleasure and things, uh, joy or excitement. Yeah, great. They can bring you that short-term high if you like but they're not the recipe for long-term happiness and contentment because obviously you go to this event and then you're on the tube going home aren't you you're on, on the bus you know, oh, it was a great night at the Colton, and then you're on this bus chugging along and, and you go home and it's back to normal it's a bit like going to some of these events where everyone's going, yeah 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 you know this sort of stuff and you go home and you know you see the pile of posts on your your letterbox and you're back into your old routine again aren't you there's obviously been a lot of studies into what makes us happy and most point to, you know, there's obviously lists and lists of things that can make you happy. And I'm going to go through a quick list myself in, in a while. But the overall, the overarching thing, I think, is points towards working towards something, having having a a cause or a goal, something to get out of bed for, working towards achieving something or even if it's not for yourself. And this generally can bring you certainly a level of of lasting happiness and and fulfillment now an obvious example is to look at your favorite group or or a band that you follow or have followed and look at how when they were most happy when do you think they were most happy when do you think that band were, were, were really buzzing and happy and the answer is probably in their early days when they were creating they were writing songs they were achieving something they were moving to the next level they were striving towards something and they were becoming more popular and those are the times when they felt most happy rather than you know when they were enjoying the the fruits of their success if you like you know when they were drinking a lot and perhaps taking drugs and and looking for the next hedonistic bit of pleasure they could have that's not the time i would argue when they felt most happy they felt happy when they're creating and doing something and you know, it's like the old saying, don't sit too long at the table of success. Yeah. When you've, you've had that tendency, when you've reached a goal or you've done something, you think, well, well that's it. Is that all there is, as Peggy Lee used to say. And, you know, then you, you can have almost a little bit of a lull from thinking, well, I've I've done this. And, you know, I, I've been working to publish this book for for a, a few years now. And, you know, when it got finally done, I didn't have that euphoria. I just thought, well, that's done now. You know, what next? Um, and in fact, there will be a next one. So. Another source of happiness, apart from sort of striving and doing something, is is actually doing something for others and giving. Now, it's well known that people who do something, especially in retirement for others, are more likely to, to live longer, to be healthier, to be happier. Now, I, I've seen this myself. Some of the most successful and busy people I know still find the time to, to help others and give their time or give their money. And, you know, they've even sort of got special bank accounts called giving accounts or their own charitable foundations to help people and you know they, they look happier to me you know they're, they're the ones who come along to the meetings at, at say my rotary club they're, they're people who give their time and yet they are the most busy people and yet most of the unsuccessful people i know and even some who are you know, not working, they're unemployed, rarely volunteer for anything. You don't see them at meetings. You don't see them getting involved with their community. And they even claim that they don't have the time. It's ironic, isn't it? Now, what do you think come first for, for the wealthy and successful people? Do you think it was their money or, or their generosity? Did they suddenly become more generous and more nice when they got money? I don't think so. I think it was a combination of the two. I think they, they were always generous, whether they gave a, a small proportion of the little they had or that the large amount that they had. It goes hand in, in glove, really, with who they are, their character. Now I belong to an organisation called Rotary International, uh, which has 1.2 million members worldwide who give their time voluntarily to help others. And of course, it has other social benefits. We meet, we get to know each other. There's what they call fellowship. And it's a great worldwide networking club. I can go to any city in the world virtually. And I I would find... A, ...a Rotary Club there, I can go along to their meeting... Uh, ...sit down with them, have a meal or coffee... ...and, and I would immediately have a network in that, that city or town. And they literally are all over the world. But the main purpose is is to do something for others. That's what drives the clubs forward. That's what keeps them going when sometimes there's a problem in the club. But what, what keeps people coming back and keeps people going... ...is the fact that they're doing something for others. And this could be in the local area... ...or providing money to eradicate major diseases disasters or or water shortages which kills millions of, of children all over the world there's all something going on so what has this got to do with money and happiness then well you know in order to give and contribute you need to have some money of your your own right yeah you can volunteer without having money but to really make a difference it helps if you if you have money and can contribute more than just your time even if you're only just giving your spare time you still need Money to make a living. You can't just spend all your time volunteering when you haven't got the money to pay for your your mortgage and your bills. So yeah, I I think you need a bit of money to make that difference. Now being a member of Rotary Club um, and and many other service organizations around the world, you know whether they be Roundtable or whatever, you know they're not all elitist clubs. I mean in some countries you tend to have some very high end kind of clubs if you like, but it does require some money to pay your club dues to pay for the, the meetings and, you know, to be able to put your hand in your pocket when you're required to. Like when there's we were raising money for a, a, a local hospice in, in that charity, London Marathon, of course, better to give our time. We all, we all contributed as a club to help that that charity. So you need to have a bit of money in your own pocket to help others, I think. And as the great T. Harv Ecker, the author of The the Millionaire Mind, puts it, I don't know if you've heard him speak, but he, he'll say something like, you can't give if you're freaking broke. And so good old half there. And he, he points us out, you know, that not all rich people are these mean, tight misers, you know, they mostly give. And I found that to be the case as well if you go to church for instance yeah you can go there and just just sit in the back of the church praying or you can go to it to attend a service and you'll be made very welcome but at some stage you know to be a member of that church they'll they'll hand around the collection plate many many churches have uh, tithing schemes as well where people would tithe or give a percentage of their income you know because it costs money to build and run churches to fix that that leaking roof it costs money to pay for priests and uh, vicars and imams or whatever it is rabbis it it costs money and to fund the projects that they all run to help the poor it all costs money you know no such thing as a free lunch as they say now most successful religious leaders like mother Teresa, for instance were very good fundraisers and raised you know millions of dollars and pounds to help the causes now moving on to billionaires like warren buffett and, and bill gates you know they are literally pledging to give away most of their fortunes now if you're worth 50 or 100 billion you can't really spend that sort of money if you just give it to your children and say here's 50 billion it would probably blow their mind as has been seen with people who have inherited fortunes in the past so they're pledging to give away most of their money and they've already started giving away billions in into various causes now my own rotary foundation has Almost eradicated polio from you know, millions of cases down to just a handful. And this is all over the world. And that's come with the help of Bill and Melinda Gates and their foundation, who matched funded Rotary members by donating 100 million to pay for the project. Now, we say match funding, that means Rotary members have given as much as, as Bill Gates Foundation. Uh, So we've also helped to administer the vaccines, which is a drop that goes on the tongue, I believe. And one of our our club members helped to do that in India. So it it was all done at a very low cost, but it still costs money to provide for the vaccines. Now, these billionaires really have huge and and very ambitious goals. They want to fight major diseases like getting rid of malaria and educating all the poor children in the developed world, world for free. So they have some really big goals if you like and and that perhaps keeps them going when they could just sort of sit back and and do nothing i mean just think about what would you do with with 50 billion you know and i I talked about tony robbins there recently he he helps to provide millions of meals i think he's trying to provide a billion meals apparently but he's he said he's already helped 50 million people in america which is you know the richest country ever provide meals for people who he said as he puts it don't know where their next meal is coming from And he remarked at a talk I saw him at recently in Florida. He said, look, I need to earn at least $10 million a year just to cover giving. He has to earn $10 million a year just to cover the amount that he gives away to various causes and charities. You know, these guys really think big, don't they? Now, speaking of happiness, I I recently saw a survey, uh, a lot of our listeners and and, uh, like me are property investors, and I saw a a survey by the National Landlords Association, and the research revealed that one third of landlords suffer (laughs) mental health issues, which is hardly surprising considering... Being a landlord is, is very stressful. You know, you go to a long to a landlord's meeting; they, they all look, they all look stressed and miserable somehow. You know, they're all talking about their problems, and the, the government are doing this, and they're they're taking away the tax relief and more red tape and more licensing in their area. It's not a fun business to be in. And the recent survey found that, found that one third of landlords have experienced ill mental health because of. Their lettings business—that's double the national average for workplace stress. Okay, so being a landlord is stressful. That's why a lot of people are getting out of it. Literally, I covered that in an earlier episode. And they're launching a discussion paper to do some more research. I mean, I know my mental health suffers when my letting agent calls. Now, I used to manage the properties myself. I've now given it to a letting or a managing agent. But whenever I, I see their name on the phone, I think, "Oh God!" You know, I, I immediately run through my mind of things that could have gone wrong. Like, could it be a broken, broken down boiler, a leak or a roof problem? Uh, you know, that immediately goes through my mind. And I even answer the call and say, yes, what, what, what's wrong now? <laughs> and they said, nothing, nothing. We're just saying that we're sending your your, your checkout. You know? uh, but it, it is stressful. I get that tight feeling in my gut whenever whenever they call. You know, but mind you, it's not, not as bad as if the tenant calls you on a Saturday night saying something. I mean, at least he gets that call before I do. So, you know, that's been a landlord. Yeah, it's stressful. But I think like anything else, you've got to take things as they come and and take the the, the highs and the lows. On the other hand, being a landlord means that I don't have to go to work from nine to five every day, five days a week. I don't have to listen to a boss or or be told when I can go on holiday and when I can't go on holiday and when I can take a day off and ask for permission to, to do this or that or the other. So I look upon it. I, I sort of take a balanced view on it. Yes, there's a bit of stress now and again, but it's it's only now and again. And when it's work, it might be a few hours work here and there. Last couple of weeks, I had a few problems to sort out. But what did it take? really? So I went to view the property. I, I had to look for myself because I wasn't happy with what the, the, the agent had told me. And then I found a few other problems, spoke to a couple of tenants. Yeah, no problem made a phone call it's it's done and sorted so yeah that's stress but it's not as much stress as getting on the the train every day and and for an hour a day with like this with the commuters so i've got to look at the positive side and, and think of the things i can be grateful for so another thing that's probably given us some stress is falling house prices in london i read a report recently that prices have fallen again for month on month they've fallen every month for over a year so That's not something to be happy about. But on the other hand, if prices are leveling out, that means there's more opportunities, I guess. So how can we be happier? You know, if you're not as happy as you could be right now, how can we be happier? Now, I've listed out 10 things that you can do right now today to make you feel happier every day. Okay. so number one is exercise. Now, I know you've heard all this before, but 15 to 30 minutes a day of exercise can make you feel happy, it can give you those endorphins You know, we know that going to the gym, people actually get addicted to it, you know, exercising. So do a bit of exercise. Physical wellness equates to mental wellness. Even if it's just a walk, just do some exercise every day. Getting outside for fresh air uh, and sunlight is known to make us feel happy. In fact there's something called SAD, seasonal uh, what is it, seasonal something disorder. It's basically the effects of going through winter and not getting enough sunlight which gives us that 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 feeling doesn't it it gives us that that down feeling you don't feel so energetic and you know lack of sunlight is lack of vitamin d so you need to get out get some fresh air breathe the air get some sunlight if you if, you, if you're in a place where there is any sunlight but even in the uk you know we complain about the weather but we actually get less rain than than a lot of places in australia and and, and america you know so the weather is not that bad here and uh even getting out on a cloudy day you're still getting some sunlight through the clouds okay so that's number two number three is eat well now I, I think this is important i don't mean gorging yourself but eating more home-cooked freshly prepared food will not only make you feel better but it will make your pocket feel better as well because i i think people can save money by eating food that they buy and prepare themselves rather than these pre-prepared microwavable meals which are probably not that healthy, healthy for you and also cost you more you know a microwave meal could cost you three or four pounds whereas you could buy those ingredients and for three or four pounds you could feed a whole family if you buy a whole lettuce for 50 pence it's much cheaper than buying in these packets where they mix the salad for you and you know charge you a pound or two pounds so think about these things think about get a recipe book or or get one of these services where they send the food to you with the recipes and and start preparing your own food you'll feel better for it you know what's going into it you you know it's freshly prepared stuff and it will make you feel better and make you feel wealthier as well I I believe that's really true people often say it's expensive to eat well but I don't believe it I I think you can eat well and and cut out all these uh, pre-prepared foods and and stuff that that really costs you more per pound than buying it yourself and cooking it yourself and it will make you feel better it's also quite therapeutic to cook and cut stuff up and feel like you're a chef and not not jamie i was gonna say jamie oliver but he's not going for a good time at the moment he's probably a bit stressed at the moment with his firm going into administration however i, 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 I digress uh number four then is to sleep more This is a biggie. I've covered this in previous episodes. People in the West and in countries like the UK are depriving themselves of sleep. You know, they're going to bed late. They're they're on their phones, on social media. They're watching late night TV, etc, etc. And instead of having seven to eight hours, they're probably getting six to seven hours, which is not enough. And that causes them to perform less well, to, to feel more stressed, to be less happy and to be less healthy. Lack of sleep can can kill you faster than lack of food. You can kill somebody by depriving them of sleep faster than you would of of starving them. And that's a fact. It's even been used in torture methods to, to get people to confess to, to even murders by just depriving them of sleep. So sleep more, that will make you feel better. Number five is to meditate. Now again when you think of meditation, you think of people, you know, sitting there for hours going, um, um and you know, oh. And all this stuff, but it, it doesn't have to be like that. It could be sitting in in a chair. You don't have to sit cross legged on, on the floor, but you, you can sit in the chair and just concentrate on your breathing for a few minutes. Just think about your stomach going up in and out and taking that deep breath in, holding it and letting it out slowly. Or doing the counting method breathe in for five seconds hold it for a moment breathe out for five seconds then try it for six seven eight nine and that is a form of of meditation you you can get lots of courses on meditation there are lots of things free things you can just look up how to meditate but definitely helps to some people say it helps to rewire the brain and you know many very very successful people i know do spend a little bit of time every day meditating they might not call it meditating but they, they do sit there just thinking of nothing Okay number 6 then is to get organized. Now being organized and decluttering and being in control of your time, your home and your your workspace and your your general space letting that chi flow through the house and you know this feng shui and all that stuff it all might sound like mumbo jumbo but it actually does make sense being organized and organizing and feeling in control of your life and your money will make you happier being out of control with things will make, will make you more stressed especially money so again it comes down to money not necessarily having millions and billions but being in control and comfortable with what you have and comfortable knowing that you have enough um, that, that feeling of am i in debt i don't know what's in my bank i don't know what debts i've got i don't know how much um i owe i don't know when the, the mortgage is due and whether you know, that is not a way to feel happy a way to feel happy is to have it organized on a spreadsheet and know exactly where you are so even if you don't have a lot of money you're you're managing with what you've got and that will make you feel happier be kind and this is is being kind to yourself as well as to others but just doing that little favor for somebody um letting them out in the traffic and, the, and they wave back and you wave back and give a little smile or letting someone cross the road instead of you know, almost running them over, when they're trying to get you know, across the road, people speed up, <laughs> you know, but just those little things and uh, just helping out people now and again gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling and, and definitely makes you feel happier. And, you know, almost by giving you receive that, that little bit of happiness back, don't you? You receive that little smile or that little wave of approval and, you know, it just makes you feel better. Whereas, you know, if you say, no, I'm not letting you out, I'm, I'm, you can't come out, you have to wait your turn. Does that make you feel happy? No. So <laughs> just be kind. To everyone and yourself it doesn't mean being a, a sucker to everyone i'm not saying that you'd have to give your fortune away but it's just that little, little acts of kindness and again i keep coming back to some of the successful people i know they, they are like that you know you see them in public places you see them being nice to to waiters and waitresses you see them being nice to shopkeepers you see them giving that little smile and you know people feel happy around them you know it, it's, it's amazing to see and then this talking about surrounding yourself with people, but surround yourself. Number eight is to surround yourself with people you love, like friends, family and vice versa. Get away from people who, who drain you and make you feel bad, but definitely being around Happy people will make you feel happier, obviously, right? That goes without saying. Being around a lot of miserable, complaining, moaning minis, you know, down the pub, going, oh, country's going down, the Brexit, who get out of Europe. Does that make you feel happier? No. So get away from those sort of people and, and be around, you know, happier, positive people and people you like and, and love. Number nine is to be grateful for the things that you, you have especially where we are in this developed world of course we should be grateful even if you haven't got a lot of money in in the developed world if you're in the uk america australia canada you know your life is so much better than people in the developing or the third world as some people call it you know you you can't imagine what their life is like and you see these adverts on tv like little girls having to walk two three miles a day carrying water on their back i've never had to do that you know and um, I've got to be grateful for many things just for being able to switch the tap on and there's water there for electricity, for just the, the normal things. And if you make a list of those things every day and think of the things that you can be grateful for, your health, your the people around you, you know, the fact that you've got a roof over your head, that you've got you've got Internet. You've got you, you can listen to this on your phone or you've got a computer. You are far wealthier than Than you you can imagine when you compare yourselves to people in countries where they've they've literally got nothing or they're in. in, I've I've never lived through a war in my country. I've never had to go to war. How how grateful I I am for that. If I'd been born maybe 10 or 15 years, 20 years earlier, I might have been in a war, you know, called up. So, yeah, I've got a lot to be grateful for. And I'm sure you have, too. Even if your circumstances are not that good at the moment, I'm sure you can think of things that will make you feel that you can feel grateful for and that will automatically lift your mood and make you feel better. Some people have this method of saying, well, I've got to write down 10 things I felt grateful for today, 10 good things that's happened. Or in the morning, they will flash around, say, well, let's think of 50 things today that I'm grateful for. It could be your shower. It could be your breakfast. It could be your kitchen. It could be that uh, appliance you can just switch on and and it's there, you know. Think of those things and that, that can immediately lift your mood. So being grateful, number nine, is very important. And number 10 is just to allow, allow yourself to be happy. You don't have to be stressed. You don't, it, it's a choice. Happiness is, it is a choice. And I can't remember who said it, but someone said you can be about as happy as you make up your mind to be, you know, so just allow that. So, so the 10 things are exercise, number one, number two, getting outside for fresh air. Number three, eat well, number four, sleep, number five, meditation. Six is getting organised. Seven is being kind. Eight, surrounding yourself with people you love. Nine, gratitude, being grateful. And ten, allowing yourself to be happy. So those are the ten lists. I'll put it up on, on my website on uh, moneytipsdaily.com soon. And uh, just finally, I also attended another great event at, at a London club. I, I tend to go to these London clubs now. I uh, just happened to be there. It was a, a start-up pitching events a bit like a dragon's den it was organized by the crocodile lair the pitching and startup funding club sfc startup funding club and they do events every month or two where people go in like the dragon's den And they pitch for money for their new business. It was really fascinating. And I'll be doing a special broadcast on this in a couple of weeks and interviewing some of the experts involved. So you can find out how you could raise money for your funding or how you could get involved with investing in new startups. So that's all for now. Have a look out for my for my book. Yes Money Can Buy You Happiness on, on Amazon, on paperback or Kindle. That's all for now. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Charles Kelly. Bring your money tips to help you save, earn, invest, accumulate, and ultimately enjoy more money. So be happy. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions.